Conesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast and this series of stories for the dark. This episode is a retelling of the story of Bakuma, the woman of the she who almost destroyed Ireland. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. You can join them over at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales or make a one-time donation to the PayPal button on our website. Like and share and above all enjoy. And for now, Circa, tell us a story. Long ago, in the many-coloured lands, Bekuma lived. The people of that island people of those lands they do not age and they do not sicken and they do not die they live eternally in a land without want a land where fruit and flower is always on the branch all year round a land where there is no cruel weather no searing heat no frost, no snow only ease and gentleness. A land where the people, because they do not want for anything, must find a way to live for all eternity, unchanging and undying. And those people there become more and more themselves. What they love, they love completely. What they hate, they hate utterly. And as time goes on, their passions become truer and deeper. And if they change, they change slowly. More slowly than a mortal lifespan can track. And what Bekuma loved was disruption. To find something that was ordered and neat and find a way of breaking it. Unmaking it. Ruining it. And if that thing was precious to someone else, so much the better to Bakuma. And she was not the only one of the ever-living ones who had this kind of impulse. There were many who did. Although, for the most part, they directed those urges outwards at others, at mortals particularly, and not at other members of their community. But Bekuma and her foster sister Anya and their dear friend Gaudir, they liked to push the limits of what they could get away with. Anya had an invisibility cloak and she could hide behind it and vanish from sight. And Gaudir, well, he was the son of a powerful man. His father was Mananon Maglir. And so consequences had a way of slipping past Gaudir. And Bekuma, well, Bekuma was beautiful and clever. And Bekuma loved many different people. She particularly loved, at the time of this story, a young man she had never met. A warrior of Ireland, Art son of Con, the High King's son, a man of high deeds and, it was said, great beauty. 
Now there was also, in the many colored lands, a woman named Rigru the Sinless. And where Bekuma and Gaudir and Anya loved mischief and destruction and sowing, all kinds of chaos, Rigru loved kindness, openness, hospitality, warmth. And that was how she became known as the sinless one. Because she never behaved in a way that would hurt anyone else. She kept herself to her own moral code. She had a son named Shegda. And there was a gesh on Shegda that he could never refuse a feast. And there was a gesh on Rigru that she could never eat with anyone else. And this made life a little complicated for the mother and her son. But Rigru's code of conduct was so strict and so rigorous and so fascinating to her. All of the different ways that one might sin in all of the different lands of the world to find a way to never cross that boundary. That was Rigru's fascination. And of course, keeping her gesh was paramount. Because to break a gesh was to call down destruction on not just oneself, but one's whole community. And so Rigru was cautious and careful. And one day, Rigru visited. She visited Mananon Maglir, but he did not have room to host her. And so he asked his son Gawdir if Gawdir would do him the favour of hosting Rigru. And of course, Gawdir was not going to turn down his father, or turn down his father's request. But he went to Bakuma and to Onya, and he said, you'll never guess who's coming to stay. Bakuma had heard of the Gesh that was on Rigru. And Bakuma thought to herself, would it not be wonderful to do something to upset her? So upright, so infallible. And so the three put their heads together and wondered what they would do. And when it came to it, the prank was simple enough. Bakuma was the only one willing to do it. And so she borrowed the invisibility cloak of Anya. And she waited in Rigru's rooms until Rigru came to sit and eat. Of course, being under a gesh that she could eat with no one else. And Bakuma snuck little morsels of food under her cloak. And when she could contain herself no longer, she burst out laughing. And Rigru was horrified. It might have been inadvertent that she had broken her gesh, but she had still broken it. And so Rigru took her son Shegda and left the many-coloured lands, going into a self-imposed exile, never to return. Now the wrath of the people of the many-coloured lands was fierce and swift. Gaudir, whose house it was, Anya, whose cloak it was, Bekuma, who had done the deed. But Anya pled her innocence. She had not been there. 
No one could prove that she gave Bakuma the Cloak of Invisibility willingly. And Gawdir, Gawdir did what he always did. He went to his father, Mananon MacLear, and asked for help. Asked his father to shelter him from the consequences. And his father, loving his son, did so. But Bakuma had few friends left. The two that she had were more focused on saving their own skins than on standing up for her. And so she was given a stark choice. She could leave the many-coloured lands forever, going into exile, or she could stay and be put to death by burning. So Bakuma said, well, obviously, I will leave. There are other lands. There are many other places in the world than this. And so she left. She had a little silver coracle that did not need an oar or a mast to steer it. And she stepped into it. And she spoke her destination. She wanted to go to Ireland. She wanted to seek out this hero she'd heard so much about. Art, son of Khan. And her little boat took off. And Bekuma did not once look behind her, did not once shed a tear, did not weep for the paradise that she was leaving, but only looked forward to what she would find. What was there in Ireland? She knew it was a place of fighting and war. She knew that the High King, Khan Caeb Cahoc, had gotten his name for being victorious in a hundred battles. And if there was a place where there had been a hundred battles, Bekimu was sure there could be more. She was eager to find where, where the levers would be to push and to pull and to make people dance to her tune for her amusement. And so, she came to the coast. At the coast, a place called Hoth, although she did not know it then. She disembarked, and there by the shore was an old man, sorrowing, and he approached her. Bekuma smiled at him and greeted him. And he asked Bekuma why she was there. And she told him, I've come seeking Art, son of Khan. I have heard of his deeds, I have heard of his beauty. I've fallen in love with him from afar, and I would like to marry him. And the old man said, well, you could marry him, or you could marry me. Bekuma looked at him, sceptically. He surely had been good-looking in his youth, but his youth was long behind him, and the lives of mortals being brief, she could tell he didn't have many decades left, maybe only one or two. And so she wrinkled her perfect nose and said, and why would I marry you? And he said to her, well, I am the High King of this land, and if you marry me, that would make you the Queen. She thought about it. On the one hand, he was very old, 
But on the other hand, he was very old. So he probably wouldn't live for very long. And when he died, she would still be the queen. And she put two and two together. Are you not then Kankade Gahok, the father of art? The man that I desire? And he said yes. He was. But he wouldn't let that come between them, if she didn't. Because he had fallen in love with her at first sight. And he desperately wanted to make her his. Thinking about the power of a queen. Thinking about the short lives of mortal men. And thinking that she would at least be in close proximity to art. Bakima agreed to the proposal. And then she asked the old man if he wanted to know her name. And when he said yes, she gave him the name of Delvkim, another woman of the she, but not one who was going to challenge her for the title. Bekima knew that Delvkim was held prisoner locked in a tower of glass far away by her monstrous parents because of a prophecy that on the day that she wed, her mother, the doghead, would die. Bekima also knew that Delvkim was not going to be released from that prison. Many had tried, and their heads decorated the fort of Morgan the Giant and the doghead, Delvkim's mother. And so... Bekima, calling herself Delvkin, was brought back to Tara, to the seat of the High King, to be presented to the court. And she asked her husband for a favour, to send away his son. She thought that it would be best if she had a little time with her new husband, alone, to solidify things, to make sure she had him where she wanted him before she started to pursue the son because after all all things would come in time and so Art was banished from his father's house Bekima installed as queen and so began her reign and it was somewhat dull but at least different enough to keep her interest engaged for the time being. She could see that Khan had united, an island that was constantly on the brink of war, with many different provinces and many different kings and many different Tua, all vying together on a small piece of land. And she learned that his wife had recently died and that while that woman was alive, there had been three harvests in every year. And so the people believed that the queen and the king and the bounty of the land were connected. She could see the fault lines in the alliances that Khan Kedkahak had built. They were fragile things. They needed only a little pressure to break. And so she settled in to make friends to make those people love her and look to her for guidance so that when the time came she could press on those fault lines and watch them crack and shatter 
But before that could happen, Art, son of Khan, returned. He came bearing news. He had consulted the druids of the land, and they had found that there was a blight. The next harvest was going to fail. And the druids had told Art that the cause of this was that Bekuma of the She was abroad in Ireland, and her influence was causing all the problems. That they had to find her and expel her. They also mentioned a possible counter to the curse would be to spill the blood of the child of a sinless woman and mix it with the soil at Tara. And Bekima thought that that was highly amusing. She had already forced Regru into exile. Now she could take her son. All the while, the harvest failing as it was failing well that would just make things more volatile quicker to fall apart quicker to disintegrate so she spoke to her husband Khan Kedkahak and she said you know it's going to be impossible to find one woman of the she in Ireland if she does not want to be found women of the she can cloak themselves in shadow and not be seen but I know there is a woman named Rigru who is sinless and she has a son called Shegda and I can tell you where to find them and how to get them and Bekuma cast her gaze across the waves and found the small island where Rigru and her son were now living away from the many-coloured land, so that Regru could bear the brunt of her broken gesh upon herself and herself alone, not endangering anyone else. That was the kind of selflessness that earned her her name and irritated Bakuma. And so she told Khan about the gasa that were on them. Regru never to eat with anyone else, Shagda never to refuse an invitation to a feast, and she lent him her coracle, and she sent him on his way. And while Khan was gone, he left his son in charge of Ireland, and so Bakuma took the opportunity to start laying some groundwork with the son. To get close to him. To get him interested in her. So that when the time was right, she could pit father and son against each other, over her. But Art proved less amenable to this plan than Bekima would have liked. He avoided her most of the time. Eventually, she hit on the ploy of challenging him to a game of vigil, with the forfeit to be named after the match. And Art played her, and Art beat her, because Bekima let him. And then Art set her a challenge to go and retrieve the magic wand of Kuroi Magdara. Now Bakuma knew from how he'd responded that art might be a lost cause as a romantic prospect. The fortress of Kuroi was difficult to get into and the sorcerer himself was ferocious 
especially against anyone who trespassed against him. So she called on her foster sister, Anya, Anya of the Invisibility Cloak, to help her. To go into Kuroi's fortress and steal the wand for Bakuma and bring it back to her so that she could present it to Art. And when next they played Fitchel, Anya stood nearby and moved one of Art's pieces at a crucial moment when he was not paying attention. And Bakuma won. And this time she set the forfeit for him. To go away. To go away forever and to die. But she didn't phrase it like that. She phrased it as go and rescue Delfcombe. And of course, when she said that to Art, he realised that she was not Delfcombe. That she must be Bekuma, the cause of all this blight that was slowly turling all the land into ash. But as the son of a king, he had no choice but to keep his promises. To pay back his forfeit before he could reveal to anyone her true identity. And so he left. Walking to the River Boyne and sailing down it and out to sea. And a short time later, his father Khan returned. Becky told him his son had deserted his post to go adventuring. And now things were beginning to be truly dire in the land. The harvest had failed and the winter had been terrible, cruel and biting. And now in the spring, it was always a hungry time of year, but it was worse than ever, worse than it usually was. were no stores left over. There was nothing to eat. And so the king had to spend money to bring in food from across the seas. And it was difficult. The animals were lean. whose hunting was scarce. No crops. What people could lived by what they could catch in the oceans. That was not everyone. Everywhere were empty bellies and hollow eyes and everywhere Bekuma could see. The appetites sharpening. The cracks growing deeper. All of it about to splinter and shatter as desperate people would turn on one another. And what would be better to start this? than the murder of an innocent child. Kankaid Kahok brought Shegda back, presented him to the court, and the boy had been told of the nobility of his sacrifice, and he had agreed to it. But before Khan could kill him, the door flew open and Rigru descended on them. Now, Rigru had not retaliated against Bakuma back in the many-coloured land. She had simply left with her son when her gesh was broken. 
She was not someone that Bakuma had ever truly seen angry before. But the anger of a gentle woman was terrifying to behold. Riguru snatched back her son. And with a piercing, deadly glare, told the king that all his efforts were in vain. As long as he remained married to Bakuma of the She. And then she left. Bakuma found herself a little surprised that Rigru had not turned her rage against her and destroyed her in that moment, but she had held back even then. And now, as Bakuma looked around at the people in the court and Tara, she did not see rage against her. She saw despair. The king loved her. The people were very fond of her. Her biggest detractor was art and art was gone. And so she settled in to wait. The land continued to deteriorate. It seemed like every growing thing was turning to ash before their eyes, crumbling to dust, nothing green and nothing growing. The people grew more desperate. But they had not yet turned on one another, which Bakuma found strange. Their desperation forced them together, rather than apart. They did what they could for each other. They shared with each other this blight affecting everyone, rich and poor alike. From every part of the land. She puzzled on this. And she looked for a way to make them break. To make them splinter, but not an obvious way, because she liked her position now as queen. And she wanted to keep it. But before she found the right answer, a boat was seen, being rowed up the River Boyne by a man who looked like Art. Art, son of Khan, had returned, unexpectedly alive, and brought with him a woman of the She. And Bekima waited in Tara, knowing that this was the end of her time on this island, as it had been the end of her time on the many-coloured lands. And when the door swung open this time, Delvkim was looking at her. And Bekima could see in Delvkim's eyes that she would show none of the restraint that Rigru had. Delvkim who had been in her glass tower for much of her life, had had time to consolidate that power within her. Her becumas had been freely spent, if mostly unconsciously, on blighting this land and sapping its strength. 
And so all Delphkim said to Bekima was to be gone. That every door in Ireland was closed to her. And Bekima nodded. And she did not look at her husband. And she did not look at Art. She did not look at any of them. Those sad, starving people. As she walked away. Back to the coast. Back to her little silver boat. But as she stepped into it, she stepped into it knowing that just as there were more lands than the many coloured lands, there were more islands than this one. There were more places for her to go. And there would always be people. People who are fragile and ready to turn on one another. Old men who wanted to rediscover their youth through her beauty. People easy to manipulate and cajole. More places to destroy. And so she sailed off to find her next adventure. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, or send us a message to get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelit Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with any questions, requests or comments, leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line. And we especially appreciate you listening.